Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Kao and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody, to the Veteran Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Carter, and with me is Cynthia Kao. Welcome, Cynthia. Hi, hi. How's How the last couple weeks? Oh, so I just came back from a big family vacation. And we we went down to SoCal and we did Disneyland and, and Legoland. And it's hard to do that and then come home to like, I'm looking out my window and it looks like Portland in the winter. So <laughs> that, that <laughs> it's like to come back to that. How was your, how was your time? It's been good, you know, just busy doing founder stuff, right? Like sometimes just life moves at 90 miles an hour and you're like, holy crap, it's November already <laughs> yeah yeah no i feel you yeah i i can't believe it. we were just talking we just came back from lunch and my wife and i were like when are we grabbing pumpkins i'm like well, i'm pretty sure we have two weeks to do that and she's like nope halloween sunday i went oh darn it yeah. So that sucks. Uh, but anyway, welcome, everybody. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Every episode, we bring in these amazing people who just have this one extra thing on the resume, and that is service to our country. And this week's entrepreneur is Troopster's very own Chelsea Mandelo. Welcome to the program, Chelsea. Welcome. Hey, thank you. And I love your Happy whole... Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. I love your whole setup. you got an external mic, and it, this. these are the times where I'm sad. It's just audio only, but unfortunately, it's audio only. Wow, is it me? And I pulled out the backdrop. I know you did all the stops. You got the great shirt. We can tell people. Yeah, we can tell people we love your shirt. And the shirt says, Deployment sucks, care packs don't. That's right. And for all of us who have deployed, it does suck. And it's really nice to get something, (laughs) especially those little messages from a complete stranger. And the care packets. Yeah. 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 Goodies. So uh, we always start our shows out just getting to know you, Chelsea, and, and I'm excited because you're a fellow Navy. I'm Navy as well. So I'm curious about what, oh, yeah. yeah, right. So I'm curious about your thought process around going the Navy. Like why the Navy? Why the Navy? Um, yeah. So I, I loved being in the Navy, um, but I actually came from an Air Force family. And so right off the bat, when I joined the Navy, I became the black sheep, <laughs> black sheep of the family. <laughs> um, but there were two big things for my decision with the Navy. First, we have all the coastal bases and those are the best bases to be at. <laughs> like, well, Air Force bases yeah, are in the middle of nowhere. There's a caveat exactly. to that. You clearly didn't come to my base, which was Pascagoula, <laughs> Mississippi, which was in the middle oh. of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, well, and that's kind of to my other point is that I was a photojournalist. Uh, so we don't get sent to places like that. We get sent to all the pretty places to take photos <laughs> and to show how great the Navy is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's why yeah. you enjoyed it. That I see. I was a, I was a strike. I struck, I was in deck and then struck to be a quartermaster. So yeah, my, oh. my uh, experience might be a little different, but uh, I mean, you pick your rates. You, you do. Yeah. And, and what was crazy was I went in as an illustrated draftsman, which they don't have an A school for. So instead of my recruiter oh. going, well, pick this really easy thing until you get into it. He's like, nope, here's deck and good luck, which no. was fun. <laughs> but I digress. So you, you get in and you end up being a mass communication, which 
to the layman is you go take pictures and you go like you're a journalist, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And right off the bat, uh, right out of A school, I uh, my first station was at Navy Public Affairs. So Navy Public Affairs are kind of it's kind of like the rock star billet for MCs. So if you are an MC, you want to be at one of those um, debts Mm -hmm. because that is the division that goes out. Um, we don't we don't fully deploy. You know, we're we'll go with a ship and we'll be there for a couple of months and then we'll bounce to a new ship. Mm. So unlike other sailors who have to go somewhere and they kind of have to stay there for three years, five years, whatever their term is, we get to go experience a place, take photos of all the cool stuff that they're doing, and then we get to leave, <laughs> which which was it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I did that, had a lot of fun. And during that time, I traveled across 13 countries. Uh, I was on board nine different ships from small decks all the way up to the carriers. Um, But I also got to go out with, you know, army units, marine units. Uh, I was with some Air Force, which, oh, my gosh, sometimes the Air Force places are are just amazing. Um, And I've got some crazy stories as well with involving Marines. So (laughs) I have a lot of crazy stories involving my media embeds with Marines. Chelsea, I don't know if you know my background, but are in the Air Force, you're a public affairs specialist. And then you kind of have a specialty code, which is either, you know, I was a broadcast journalist, photojournalist. So it's very, very similar to the mass comm specialist in the Navy. But we we do media embeds. So it's kind of cool because you get to experience a lot, a lot of every single branch, every single unit operation. So it never gets boring, you know, but Sometimes if you're with a unit you haven't trained before, they'll give you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to be friends with the, with the journalist too, with like the, the person with the camera. Just, yeah. hey, take photos of this. So, <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're, you're right there, Cindy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And there's, it really does, sh- you get to see the, the versatility of the military, yeah. um, which is really cool. And Cynthia's right, it never gets boring. Yeah. So I loved my job. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a background in this before you went in the Navy? Like what, what would, why mass communications? Like did, did, is this your family have a background in this? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I had just graduated uh, from Ball State University and my degree was actually in advertising. So I've always kind of been in like that creative class. Um, and whenever I came into the military, I knew that I wanted to, to still do something creative. Um, I knew the Adobe suite. I wanted to be able to utilize that background and knowledge. Um, and when I saw MassCom and just the whole write-up for it, I knew that that's, that, that was the perfect job. Nice. Nice. So you go into boot, boot camp. What's your experience like in boot camp? Because for boot camp, right, it's sort of a generalist go through this very intense process. But for you, what was that experience like? Um, you know, I didn't mind boot camp, actually. Um, and that's probably because my family is military. Mm. So just even even in growing up, um, I wouldn't say that we were strict, but it was, you know, I, I remember my mom uh, just, I was crying for some reason in daycare. And my mom just saying to all the kids, let's all cry like Chelsea. Wah. And so... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
So, so, so you I were ready like, anyway. So, yeah, I was adequately prepared for boot camp. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a good way to prepare. Like I'm, you know, I'm gonna switch up my parenting style now. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you get out. What's your first duty? Yeah, you, know, you went to the. You said you went to the Mascom. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, main. But wh- where else did you end up after that? Um, yeah. So, and with NPACE, I did, I did a lot. Like I was over in Japan and then I bounced, you know, to Hawaii and then I went over to the fifth fleet. So, I mean, I was constantly all over the place. I was doing anti-piracy operations. Mm. Um, I, I did a lot of field work. Um, but then after about three years of constantly being deployed, uh, I mean, I, I had an apartment that I never visited. <laughs> I would come back from deployment, stay here for maybe a week, and then I would go to somewhere else. Um, so after that, I was kind of tired. <laughs> and um, I had also been kicking around this idea for this business. And so I took a very relaxing shore command. At It was, it was kind of dubbed a retirement command <laughs> <laughs> nice. because everyone was on their way out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was at a at a place called Optev Four. So it's it's where they test and evaluate all of the the new technology that the military is coming up with. But because it's all new technology and secret squirrel, you can't really take photos and release that stuff. Right, right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it was very relaxing. What do you think overall surprised you about your experience in the military? I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about your your upbringing, but. What, if anything, surprised you? Um, So I was surprised by the different cultures that you come in contact with, Um, as especially growing up um, in the Midwest, I always had this idea of what other countries were and what other cultures were. And then you you go and you experience these, these different individuals, different people, different cultures, and it's not at all what you imagine. Um, I kind of thought that everyone hated America, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but almost every single culture was very inviting, warm. I loved the communities. Um, I, I never really had a bad experience in all of the countries that I visited. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's true. I, you know, looking back on, I, we, I was on a FFG, which they're all gone now. But I didn't know at the time FOG sto- stood for Forever Freaking Gone, but, you know, the sailor <laughs> version of that. And so as a result, we were gone all the time. We did six deployments in uh, the, the um, uh, Caribbean to do anti-drug, you know, drug operations. And then I did tw- two tours over in the Persian Gulf. And everywhere we went, whether it was Greece or Gibraltar or Spain, like, you, to your point, we never had any real issues with, you know, where we did have issues it's Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. Really? really? Yeah. I got shot at in Puerto Rico, believe it or not. And <laughs> they really do not like us over there for some reason. They just don't like us over there. Yeah. That was a, that was, that was a weird experience. So you get out and what, what do you want to do now? You, you had this idea for Troopster. First of all, let's, what is Troopster? Uh, actually, I want to, I want to back up real fast. Yeah. Uh, I had a monkey steal my sandwich in Gibraltar. Yeah, those monkeys, <laughs> man. They are <laughs> tricky monkeys. Did, Have did you, you ever... see the monkeys? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, oh, yeah. they're vicious. They're vicious. <laughs> they are not to be toyed with. I don't, Cindy, I don't oh. know if you've ever been to Gibraltar, but 
the cool thing about Gibraltar, it's an old Spanish fort. You go up to the top and you can overlook this weird airport that on both sides is water, but it's like, you know, sort of train tracks and you drive across. But up on the top of the rock, there are these monkeys and they will mess with you the whole time you're there. And uh, yeah, I didn't bring any food because someone told me not to bring any food, but yeah, they like grabbed my hat and they just messed with you the whole time. Yes. And he's right. And I did bring food because yeah. I thought, ah, I can take a monkey. That a is a nice little true. picnic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And they come so fast. I, I unwrapped the sandwich and it was just immediate herd, giant monkeys, oh little monkeys. I, yeah, yeah did not bring food. <laughs> they're, they're like angry toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> That's scarier to me than a deployment, <laughs> like being confronted with the herd of monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, but, the other thing I never, the other wildlife thing I never saw until I got in the Navy was um, sea snakes. I don't know if you oh. ever got to see those in the Persian Gulf. In the middle of the Persian Gulf, there's these little like yellow, black striped sea snakes and they're all over the place. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I don't remember those. No? No. Uh, but I have seen sand spiders. And have you seen those? No. <laughs> oh my god! Have you? I've I've Look. seen one. Yeah, they're oh. terrifying. Ooh. Gosh! Yeah. One got well, in our Connex and came back with us. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so if anyone has ever seen uh, the the movie Aliens, um, the the alien that attaches to your face that was replicated from sand spiders. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh. One more story on animals, though. Yeah. In the landing zone in Sudan for the operations there, because there's really like no airport, you have to clear the runway of animals. And so here I am running around <laughs> the landing zone trying to clear all the animals, you know, and the donkeys and the chickens and the goats <laughs> and whatever else that are just hanging out there. And sometimes they wouldn't move. So there's just this really funny picture of me wildly waving my arms, running around, trying to scare the animals. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, we were, I was stationed in Mississippi, and we had Hurricane Opal go through, and there was an alligator farm not far in, like, Biloxi yeah. or something like that. And it had flooded so much that the alligators were actually just able to, like, go through the fencing no problem. And so for oh. I am terrified of that kind of stuff. So for I don't know, a week and a half, I didn't leave our our base. So <laughs> I'm like, nope, I'm good. That's something we don't tell more of our like, you know, deployment stories with animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we I feel one. like yeah. Yeah, I got one for you. Um, I was underway with uh, an LSD, which is an amphibious ship, mm -hmm. uh, which basically means that we we take Marines with us. And these Marines were, were having this big kind of like He-Man training day where they were, they were doing uh, like defense courses and they were firing off weapons and they, they were just doing like real He-Man, yeah. total Marine stuff. Um, and I have this great photo somewhere where one Marine said, hey, look, dolphins. And all of these Marines stopped everything that they were doing and they just, they went, they went <laughs> to the side of the ship. Um, and they were there just staring at and talking to and like throwing little balls down for the dolphins to play with. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible that that you're right, Cynthia. We don't talk a lot about the animals you you get exposed to in these different countries, but yeah. it, it's a weird sort of this side thing that happens. 
when we we yeah. I remember one morning we uh, during my time uh, I, so I I was in in '96 so the before times way before right <laughs> and so we woke up one morning and uh, there was a fleet of dolphins just going along with our we uh, the oh, boat yeah. the boat holds 250 people so really really small right and. Mm-hmm. But it was cool to watch. Uh, to you know, like, I could see how a bunch of people would be like, "Yeah, let's throw things and have them play yeah. with it." They're they're so cool. But um, did you ever get to do camel racing? I don't know if you you got to that. You mm. didn't do the. No, yeah. we went to Petra in Jordan, and we rode camels to the, like the last part where you get to Petra. But mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't get to. No, there's some other the craziness okay. I saw in the Persian Gulf that people will never get to see uh, unless you go there. But I mean that that's another podcast for another day and yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so yeah I'll, i didn't mean to divert us no no it's uh, it's fine <laughs> fun, fun diversion yeah yeah i enjoy absolutely <laughs> what other fun stories do you have like what was what was the most what was the most like memorable thing that you did while you were being deployed out into these various assignments oh you know so this is this is kind of a Okay, well, I've actually got, I've got two that I always kind of go back to. Um, yeah. First one is Halloween in Hong Kong. Uh, mm. That's amazing. <laughs> um, they had this adopt a sailor program, and so there was a family in Hong Kong that would adopt a sailor. They would take you around, um, and I didn't realize that the city participates fully in American holidays. Oh wow! So yeah, and I mean the everyone everyone participates. Um, and so I was there during Halloween and every single person, like there isn't a single person in Hong Kong who thinks it's a dumb holiday. Like everyone, (laughs) everyone's in on it. (laughs) So that was neat. Um, and the other one was, uh, I was in Malaysia for this, uh, community relations project where we went and visited this orphanage. Um, it was, it was pretty far inland. Um, and it was, kids who um, had been from areas that had faced um, just a a lot of difficulty or maybe maybe war or something had happened. Um, And so all these kids were now at this orphanage. um, And they just, the moment all of these sailors stepped off the bus, all of these kids, no matter what the, what had happened to them, they just were so excited to see all of these sailors and Marines and they just come running up. And we were there for probably six hours just oh, wow. playing with these kids. Yeah. So what those, a cool story. Cool. That's so cool. So, uh, you know, let's talk about when you, you, you said you were tired, you're ready to get out. Did you, if you weren't <laughs> tired, or, you know, do you, did you ever think about renewing or reenlisting or staying in yeah, for a long time? I, absolutely. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily tired. So I, I was tired um, after the, my first enlistment mm-hmm. um, just because I'd been perpetually deployed. Yeah. But I was actually considering uh, going into the public affairs the, to be a PAO, to mm-hmm. be an officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had my packet. I had a ton of recommendation letters. Um, but at the same time as I was putting my packet together, I was kind of playing around with this idea for this small business. Right. Um, and about the same time that I was about to put my packet in, I had launched Troopster. Um, and so then it became the decision of going to Rhode Island and staying in the military as an officer or getting out and running with this company and seeing where it goes. 
So you decided to get in the nonprofit yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's oh. terrifying too. Yeah. If you if you could go back, <laughs> would you go put that packet back in? <laughs> I I you know what I wouldn't. We uh we just hit um over thirty thousand care packages that we've sent, and. Yeah. You know, every morning um, we have this this long list. We have a secure server where uh, we receive letters from troops who request nice. care packs. And we have um, more than 1,800 letters. And each one of those is requesting either for an individual or for a unit of more than 75 people. Wow. Um, and just reading some of these letters, I mean, you've got kids where it's their first deployment. They're having a tough time. Yeah. And then you also have parents who have just had a child and had to immediately deploy, you know, mm. and they're in a tough area. I mean, these letters are heartbreaking. Yeah. And I just, I start my day with that because it reminds me of why I'm doing this. Yeah. It's an incredible mission. I didn't mean to diminish that in any way. Yeah, just what running, are you doing? Running a, running a nonprofit is hard <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Like if you ever, I've, I've run a nonprofit and they're just one of the hardest things to do. But I, the thing, the, the mission is so rewarding at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm, yeah, that, that part's amazing. So tell me a little bit about like, how did you think about how you were going to get all of these items to send out to folks, like talk about those early days of Troopsters. <laughs> those early days of Troopster. Oh, uh, I try to black them out. Actually, <laughs> I try not to go back little, there. Little PTSD, <laughs> I hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so so I started Troopster while I was still serving. Um, I wanted to make sure that I still had income, you know, coming in the door <laughs> before I started this. Um, plus, I wanted to make you know see if it if it could succeed. Um, so I, I started it right when I got to my second command. Um, so I knew I had three years to, to see where it could go. And, uh, I think everyone should know that when I first started Troopster, um, I knew nothing about business. Mm. Um, in fact, I did not pay attention to a single business class when I wasn't in, in college. So I don't, I, I couldn't tell you what I learned there. Um, but <laughs> so in, right off the bat, um, I was just kind of fumbling through the dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had printed off so many pages from the Small Business Administration of how to do this. I had how-to for dummies books <laughs> about supply chain management and how to keep track of your accounting and records and all sorts of things. Um, and... Man, that, those <clears throat> that, those first couple of years, because I was still serving, I would stand, you know, like a 24 and 48 hour watch. Mm. And then I'd go home exhausted, sleep deprived and pack 30 plus care packages. <laughs> because did you, I have, did you have help? I mean, were there uh, people no. <laughs> that got involved? <laughs> well, so um, I, I forced my boyfriend at the time to help me. Uh, and my, my little brother came to stay with me for a bit. And so anyone who visited the house uh, got forced into working. <laughs> Voluntold. Well, yep. told, yes. Um, no, but for those, those first, uh, two years, it was just me. Um, and I, I ended up changing like my whole sleep schedule too. Cause I would, you know, I was, uh, working throughout the day and you can't work on your side hustle. Right. Um, so I remember getting up at like 2am so that between two and six, I could check emails and work on Troopster. And then the rest of the day I'd be at the, in, at the Navy. Um, and that left in the evening times for me to pack care packs and mail them. 
which left like two hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. <laughs> I drank oh, a lot man. of Red Bull. Um, but um, for getting those those first few products, I was just looking at, you know, I, I start where everyone starts. I Google items. I learn what a distributor is. I learned uh, a little bit about supply chains, um, about economy of scale, which, which means that until you can bulk purchase, um, <laughs> you, you're scaling up. Yeah. Uh, and for me, my initial ratio was between one and 50. So I remember paying just, just in for our, our boxes. Uh, it was like, 550 just for the printed box itself, oh, wow. not any of the contents inside yeah. <laughs> because I could only afford, you know, a small quantity. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and now we're, we're bulk purchasing, you know, like five to 10,000 at a time, making them 86 cents a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, those first few years, um, a lot of, a lot of investment, a lot of mistakes, you know, you, you end up getting products that, that don't work out or you realize just kind of suck and you can't return them. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Are you purchasing the products yourself or are you working with companies that can donate or both? Ooh, good question. Um, so the first couple of years it was all purchasing uh, mm. because I was terrified of asking companies for products. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have no shame. <laughs> I, we, we uh, work with, uh, community partners um, such as Colgate Palmolive, um, Black Rifle Coffee, Grunt Style, um, and right now we're currently working also with Dude Wipes, which I'm really excited to get those in the box. Nice, nice. How did you How did you get the word out in the early days of Troopster? Because I think what you're building, what you have built, is essentially a two sided market, right? You have the folks that need the packages and the folks that you need to get the product that can get out to the people that need the packages. Mm-hmm. Like talk a little bit about how you were able to, to solidify both sides. Yes. Um, so, um, initially I looked up networking groups in my area, mm-hmm. right? So trying to take bites that I can chew. Um, and I would go to these small networking events where I would have, you know, two minutes to present my company and to talk about what our needs were. And I found just different networking groups in the areas. I found ones that I enjoyed, some that I didn't enjoy. Um, and then I also started pitching. Um, so there are, for, for those who, who are maybe just starting your business um, or, or thinking about starting a business, there are pitching competitions where you can go um, sign up and pitch your business. So you talk about what your business is, um, what your your business model is, how you make money, um, you know what you're doing, and then uh, you're pitching this to either a panel or to people who are going to vote in some capacity. Um, and the end result is they give you money. So um i did a lot of pitch competitions um throughout uh, really the east coast um and then also a couple um couple on the west coast and in, and in utah and that kind of helped me to further build my network um i pitched you know at like military influencer conference where i would have a booth we would we would hold events there um and then we also started having kind of community engagement events where for every event, no matter how small, I put out a press release. Nice. So those three things between getting PR, pitch competitions, and networking, that was 
So really word of mouth. Yeah. I, I guess I could yeah, have yeah. just said word of mouth. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it seems like the, that communications background has really helped, right? Like learning a little bit about how you, mm-hmm. how you do it in the military helped you here. Um, and, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that you, you put a lot of emphasis on, on pitching. For a nonprofit, how was that compared to when you're going through it with companies that are, you know, more mm-hmm. traditional tech, maybe even tech-based companies? Like talk a little bit about that piece for you. How challenging Ooh, yeah. was that? Okay. Um, so initially, Troopster wasn't a nonprofit. Um, we okay. actually started as a for-profit. And then a year into business, um, I started getting all of these letters from these troops who would see their friends get a, a Troopster care package, but they didn't have anyone at home who could send them one. And so they, they had asked if I could donate and send, and send them something. Um, but you know, I, I was still in the military. I was trying to, to put all the money that I had into just getting this business off the ground. Right. And so I couldn't afford, uh, I mean, I was getting hundreds of letters and I couldn't afford to, to donate items. Right. Um, so I started, I mean, I, I need nothing back then. It's amazing. It's amazing. I got away with some stuff. Um, because I think that's a regular theme. I, I honestly feel like every founder has to go through this. It is so, it is absolutely a rite of passage to like make mistakes and learn from them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, me too. Me too. That's literally why I've been like so busy. If I'm not, if I'm not in tandem with Josh or he's not on with me, that's the reason why we're both (laughs) managing our work. So. Yeah. You just, you learn, there's so many hurdles and you don't even realize it at the time that you're screwing up. You know, <laughs> it just, it builds character. It's all, it's all part of the character building process. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember I went out uh, in the community and I started just asking businesses and, and people if they could help me to collect items so that I could support all of these troops who had sent me letters. Um, and I kept hearing this same phrase. I kept hearing, well, are you a nonprofit? Are you a 501c3, 501c3? I had no idea what a 501c3 was, right? Like I, that meant nothing to me. Right. Um, and so the first year we, we did support those troops without being a nonprofit. Like people donated. They didn't get any tax reward for it. <laughs> like no. no incentive. It was just, it was just good. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Um uh, but because I kept hearing it, I decided, uh, you know what? I've already, I've already started one. Um, let's let's start a nonprofit and and work in that capacity. Um, so then the next year, I suddenly had two organizations. I had this nonprofit and this for profit who were essentially doing the same thing, but one was sending donation packs and the other one was sending personal packs. Um, and then a year later, I joined an accelerator, which an accelerator is for. Um, Startup companies, they, they'll take you under their wing. Sometimes they'll give you capital. Um, you meet with a lot of venture capitalists. They work on your business model. They go through pretty much everything. Um, and at the end of the accelerator, you're supposed to be a better business that's um, ready to take on investment. Right. So, yeah. So I get to the end of this uh, accelerator <clears throat> and I have this meeting with this venture capitalist and we get to talking. And what we overall end up deciding, and also something that I had learned, was that I could turn Troopster into a full nonprofit 
we can still sell items. Like there's, there's nothing against those rules. Um, and any profit that we have goes back into the company so that we can further grow, increase our mm -hmm. impact. Um, and we can also take on a lot of in-kind product and sell that. So kind of like what Goodwill does, they, you know, take product, they sell it for 100% margin. Right. Um, right. And that idea sounded just amazing, right? Like we, we can get all of this product donated um, and I wouldn't have to manage two sets of books. That was a big, that was a big piece for me. <laughs> Not having to have two quick. I can't believe you were managing two sets of books. That it sounds <laughs> it was like awful. a nightmare. <laughs> It was awful. Um, I was not doing it right either. Like this is, uh, I have nightmares just thinking back to how bad my accounting system was back then. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I merged it into one. Uh, all the assets went in. Uh, I didn't have investors at the time, so I didn't have you know to worry about breaking anyone's heart. Um, and then, yeah, and that's how we became the full nonprofit. But you had asked a question as far as in pitching. Right. So in pitching, it completely changed the dynamic because at first I was pitching for investment and now I was pitching um, for an idea and to try and get in-kind product or mm -hmm. corporate partnership. So my, my pitching strategy had to, had to, transition from trying to get capital because I, I could no longer give them a stake in the company, mm. right? Because we were a nonprofit now, but what we could do is we could offer a corporate partnership where you can brand the boxes. You can market um, inside the care packages. I mean, all of that was still feasible. And a lot of times those pitch competitions, um, those judges have businesses of them, their own. So nice. Yeah. You, did, did you find that um, with the going up against for profits? Like what was the what was the feedback that you received from hmm. some of these judges? Um, so it was it's kind of interesting um, because some of the feedback that I had received was um, in asking if if we run this like a business and it. It, it still sounds so weird to me. And it's something that I've uh, kind of been on lately is that, yes, even though we are a nonprofit, um, we still have competitors. We still have to have to create financial forecasts. I still have to worry about my supply chain, mm -hmm. you know, and how half of my products are stuck in, in a port somewhere. <laughs> um, and, and, and so that was, kind of a, that's still kind of a stigma actually that we have to go through. Um, so not only do I have to kind of, um, shake judges out of that charity mindset, um, mm -hmm. which they kind of have a, a, I don't want to say a bad idea of it. Um, but they don't see it as something that they want to invest in. So I have to make it, I have to make it worth their while. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if like impact storytelling, like you were a photojournalist, yes. if, if any of that came into play. It really did. Um, and that's that's always how I start any of my pitches. Um, I start with my story and I talk about um, my experience in the military and how I received a care package from my mom who was in rural Kentucky and that everything in that box had, it just hadn't made it. 
Um, and, and that's really how Troopster got started um, was it was just this horrible deployment. It was really long. And I got this box uh, from my mom and it just, it, it crushed me. It was my heartbreak in a box. <laughs> and uh, I had realized that I wasn't the only person on the ship who was going through that exact same thing. So I had gone online um, to see if there was, you know, like just some online service that could help someone like my mom to send a mm -hmm. care package. And there wasn't. I was surprised that in 2013, we had Amazon and Google and all these cool things, but there was no online service to send a military member a care package. So that's crazy. That's, that's nuts. You know, right? you, you, yeah. you it wasn't that long ago. No. Well, you know, no, it, I was, but, but yet it, it was that long ago. <laughs> you know, what's funny yeah. is, um, you know, because I was in so long ago, you know, my son's thinking about whether or not he wants to join. And he's like, man, it's going to be so hard. I'm like, you know, my wife has a box full of letters. We didn't get to email or FaceTime yeah. or anything like that. So like, you don't get to complain. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, you, you talked a lot about you youngins. I know, right? Stop complaining. In your newfangled emails. Um, <laughs> so you, you talked about like the challenges, like, and learning a lot. What do you think is the one thing that you screwed up during this process that you were like, man, that could have really screwed everything up that could have scuttled everything we worked on uh, do you mean like after i had started yeah yeah along the way right as entrepreneurs oh. we make a ton of mistakes right i mean oh, we've God. all done it but there's okay. there's some mistakes that kind of bubble up to the surface that are more yeah. detrimental than others oh yeah okay i've got one and and i hate even talking about <laughs> this because it it's so horrible it's so horrible um so i lost an nfl player um, whose last name was Gronk, <laughs> Gronkowski. Um, wow. uh, early, so early, early, early into Troopster. Um, uh, I got connected uh, through a mutual friend with Gronk who had just started this ice shaker company. Hmm. Um, and it, it was, it was a great initial partnership. We were sending these, these awesome shaker bottles. Um, and we had, at that point, um, we had been holding these community pack events. So we had sent, you know, 500 care packs at one time. We were getting the process down. Um, I knew up to that point that uh, before, we, before we do an event, um, we take money first. We, we have an estimation of how much care pack is going to cost, how much the shipping is going to cost based on where we're sending. And so if, if, you know, we're sending X amount of care packs, I know it's going to be $10,000. So you give us the money up front and then we have this great event, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so Gronk had asked about holding this event and, and he gave me the number um, that he wanted to send. And I'd said, absolutely. Um, but he had asked if we could just go on ahead and, and have the event, but, but they were going to, they were going to try and raise the money. Um, and so I was going to have to provide stuff up front mm -hmm. and we were going to have to have an event without, having the money. So basically I was going to get repaid. Um, but we did not, we were so early, we did not have that capital. Um, so, and, and all I kept thinking was, well, it's, I mean, it's an NFL player, right? I gotta, I got, I gotta do this. Some, I don't know where I'm, I don't know where the money's going to come from. You know, maybe there's a money tree. Yeah. Um, and, and so for that one instance, I changed our model because I, I wanted so much for that, even though I had known 
that this is, we've, we've done this now, you know, so many times, this is exactly the way it should be. And it should be this way for a reason. Um, so we tried so hard to find the amount of, to raise the amount of money that we needed. And it was also a really short time period. Um, so that we could, so we could hold this, this great event. And I mean, in the end, we just, we couldn't do it, you know? And, and it was, it was a huge lesson for me, um, where, ah, you know, sometimes you're going to, you're going to be faced with these situations. And if, if you know the right, if you have figured out what the right way to do something is, do not try to force a different model onto it because of the situation. Like, and, and so ever since that point, I have not had a single problem with telling someone, (laughs) you know, that this is our model for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good point. Right. And, Uh, and, uh, I've coincidentally had to deal with some athletes recently as well. And I, so I, I can empathize with what you're going through. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, Great. Looking back, if you could go back and and tell your younger self before starting this what to look out for other than, you know, professional athletes, what uh, what other what other important lessons would you tell yourself? Because, you know, on this podcast, we get a lot of entrepreneurs that are people that want to be entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. what, what what lesson would you impart on yourself for those early days? Huh. Um, I would say the biggest one is don't be so in love with your own idea that you aren't willing to pivot. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some, there's this thing that happens with entrepreneurs where we, you know, it's our baby. We fall so in love with our own idea and we think that it is going to be this amazing thing. And, and if anyone tells us otherwise, we don't believe them, right? We, we want to push through. Um, and Sometimes we're right, um, but I would say a lot of times that can be very, very detrimental. Um, so you you have to be willing to take in information, and sometimes you just you got to make that pivot. You got you have to be able to to change and grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree, and it's a painful process. I'm doing that right <laughs> now. I, I literally oh. am going through that rebranding, new business model. Um, uh-huh. something that I should have trusted my gut to do many, many years ago, which mm-hmm. I was kind of stubborn digging in my heels, like, oh, it's working. It's not broken. Let's just keep going, you know, yeah. until it broke, until it broke. Oh, and, and until I got to the point where I'm like, I am not making the impact I want to, and I'm not spending energy in ways that I want to. And, um, I really trust that, like that little quiet voice where you're like, everything's telling you no, and you're just going against it. <laughs> and now I'm learning my lesson. <laughs> And, you know, after what, eight years um, and it's hard, but I, I, I think that it helps to have that support system. Like, I guess one last question really is, uh, did you, do, who are the people that you can count on to be your sound advisors and to be your, um, your guidance when, you know, you're making business decisions or when you need to pivot? Mm. Um, so um, I, I ended up building a kind of a, a mentor and development board um, of individuals who had various backgrounds, who I trusted, who I respected. Um, and so now they are, they are my sounding board. Um, whenever I, you know, was thinking about a different strategy or going in a different direction, um, they're the group that I send it to first, uh, just to get their eyes on it. 
Um, and I, I also, I, I didn't pick people who, who would be really nice to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I should have done that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, but I, I love the, well, sometimes I love the honesty <laughs> and candid yeah. frankness uh, of my group, but yeah, definitely developing, developing that network and developing a, a trusted group of mentors. And it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, it can be like, it can even be just one, you know, anyone, just a couple of people who you mm-hmm. really trust in business um, or even in life um, to help you out. You can just bounce ideas off of. That's yeah, awesome. For sure. Where can people find you online, Chelsea? Yes. So they can find us at troopster.org or .com. We actually, we own both. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah. Where can people find you specifically? <laughs> Me specifically. Um, you know, I am the only Chelsea Mandelo that exists in the world. Come on. So if you, I really, that, I, hands down. Yep. I promise. I promise. So if, if you Google me, you, you'll find my LinkedIn page. You will find my contact through the troopster.org site. Um, I am unfortunately all over the place. So, so. Challenge accepted. All right. <laughs> well, Chelsea, it was lovely getting to know you and learning more about your business. Thank you so much. And if, uh, if people can donate, they can do that on troopster.com, I would imagine, right? They absolutely can. Um, and guys, something I am really excited about is that we are launching a new website, as I, I mentioned to you all a little earlier. Um, it's going to be released in January. Um, so look out. If you visit the site now, you're going to see the old site. And yeah, I'm really excited for this new launch. Can't wait to check awesome. it out. Well, thank you so yeah. much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And good luck to you, really. It's been hey, fun. Thank you guys. It's been really fun. It really fun. has been fun. Yeah. It's, we've gone down some some serious rabbit holes, but I, I enjoyed it. Monk, <laughs> monk, monkey here. holes is what we've yeah, gone monkey down. Holes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. monkey holes. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, tune in every week at 1 p.m. Pacific on the StartupRadioNetwork.com. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you later. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.